aviation medical delays, part 119 check and training regulation update, and all about my floating hull design feature progress. All this and more coming right up, so strap in and let's get into it. G'day everyone, welcome to episode 42 of Flight Training Australia, the podcast all about flight training and flying in Australia and beyond. I'm your host Trent Robinson, thanks again for joining me. A very warm welcome to all the new listeners out there, it's fantastic to have you with us. Uh, to all the regulars, again, as always, thank you so much. Thank you for all the feedback um, that's been coming through and the support and listenership, if that's a thing. Um, there's been some awesome reviews and also a lot of email feedback just on the last couple of interviews, um, including the one on my dad last week. Uh, a lot of former names and familiar names to me, but certainly to dad from uh, ANSET, cabin crew and uh, air crew that he's flown with. So thank you to everyone for reaching out and I'm glad you uh, found it a memorable and uh, en- enjoyable episode. If you haven't listened to that one, it's uh, episode 41. You can go check that out among many, many others of great content there. Remember, for less than a cup of coffee, you can help support the show by becoming a patron, and uh, or a patron rather, and also for the cost of a few beers or more, you can uh, be up to a top level tier and uh, really help me out with the cost of running the podcast and uh, the equipment that needs to go towards it. Links in the description, uh, just click on support the show and I'd love to have you on board. Welcome to our latest patrons, I've got Sean and Will. Thank you guys for coming on board. Great to have you. All right, so aviation medicals. It seems like there's a bit of a delay going on, folks. I'd love to hear from you. If you yourself have been uh, delayed, uh, jump on the Facebook page and uh, let me know what's going on. I am aware, after talking to Casa myself and through uh, several others, that there is up to a 16-week delay at the moment for class one or two medicals it seems twos are coming through a little bit quicker but initial issue i'm talking about so if you've got a current medical and you get it renewed then it should pretty much be an on the spot thing and nothing to worry about but if you've let your medical lapse or you're getting one for the first time uh, it's going to take a little while so there's a lot of pilots in the moment obviously with covid that have been out of work overseas and coming back and having to get their medicals back again. And obviously you can't go for a job until you've got a medical. So up to 16 weeks is the current prediction and sometimes longer. And that's not uh, for any complications or anything holding up that process. It's just purely the processing time for CASA. Uh, They're meeting about once a week, every Wednesday or so, to review the current batch of applications, and they are a long way back. Um, I also know... Uh, Clark for processing license and uh, registration for new ratings and things uh, some three months of, uh, out of date as well. Um, massive backlogs for processing things. So if you do have any critical dates coming up, if you've got any checks, any jobs you're thinking about going for, uh, getting back into industry, or you might be looking at doing a commercial training and need that class one medical, get onto it ASAP and be prepared for a wait. Um, Doesn't seem to be a whole lot we can do about it, unfortunately. 
hopefully we will move to a system soon where if the damey uh, says that you're medically fit, then CASA will just process the thing and put it out there. Just like if I give somebody a uh, instrument rating, it's usable that afternoon. I don't know why CASA need to get involved in it, but I'm not a professional in the medical sense. So if anyone else has got any feedback or uh, ideas out there, love to hear from you. All right, still on the CASA theme, we've got uh, Part 19, Check and Training Regulations. So CASR 119, uh, Check and Training coming into play. Now, this is formalising the process that is essentially out at the moment where a new pilot would come in on a new aircraft or potentially a new aircraft type, an upgrade or a transition, and do a proficiency check uh, for that aircraft, typically with an instructor going through normal and emergency procedures or someone with an instructor rating. Could be someone on staff or could be someone external brought in for that. So what the Part 119 uh, process is doing is formalising a company's check-in training process. So there's going to be a position of a head of training and checking and then one or more uh, checkers or training and checkers within the company. So I intended the online uh, webinar the other week uh, with CASA and it was quite good and I've actually gone and uh, sought out some more information and clarification on things. Unfortunately, as always, um, like with part 119, uh, sorry, part 61 and uh, 91 and things, information was few and far between. It was meant to come out a few months ago. We're now in an extension period and it's only just now that we're getting actual information uh, publications and guides and the like. So unfortunately, uh, CASA are behind on the rollout of this, but they've extended it out for March next year. So by March 2nd, um, everyone should have their manuals written, their training syllabuses uh, compiled, and their head of training and checking and checkers uh, nominated and, and listed. So I thought I'd just run through what I've found out uh, on how it all works and if you're in a uh, 135 or 131 operation etc uh, that need this set up this is what you're looking at doing and there is actually some good information online now so the head of training and checking position is essentially an internal position much like the ham c role or the hammock uh, who looks after the aircraft maintenance so they don't necessarily need to be um, the checking person CASA have outlined online what they're looking for in this role. I do understand that the role uh, qualifications are under review and changing, so it may turn out that they don't actually need to be um, a pilot and a flyer themselves, but they have to have an understanding of the check and training process, the training syllabus, and ensuring that pilots are not exceeding their OPCs or the 12 monthly checks and their... Also, the trainer or the checker is doing their job and doing everything properly as well. So keep an eye on that. If you've got some ideas of who you want to nominate, they're supposed to be listed in your uh, training syllabus by 2nd of September. So that's the next sort of extension date that you need to think about and consider. Once that's done, then you would need a suitable uh check and trainer to join your company now that could even be someone within the company itself or you might use an external contractor someone like myself for example someone with the instructor uh, training skills that will meet the requirements of your particular operation so at the moment 
you would have uh, someone doing your proficiency checks, like I said. Now what's going to happen is that these checks are going to come every six months. So you want to have someone who is capable of uh, complying with your training manual, training syllabus, and delivering all the training on the particular aircraft in your fleet. If you want this person to also be doing line training and line checks, then that's when they need to be brought in to the organization as an inducted pilot, just like any other line pilot. And they too would be subject to the, uh, the check and training syllabus and process. If it's just them doing the process uh, themselves, but not doing any line work for the company, then they don't need to do that. They can simply come in as a contractor and deliver that training. All right, so that's roughly how that all works. The tricky part then is uh, setting up the manual to cover uh, the fleet. Now, do they need to uh, do a check for each pilot in every single aeroplane? Kind of, but not really. What's going to happen is if you think about the manual of standards and all the units are in there, there's things like fly aeroplane, climb aeroplane, turn aeroplane, land aeroplane, all that sort of stuff. Those things are all common across a fleet of aeroplanes. So be it a single, complex, single or twin, they're all going to be uh, common throughout. So if you had a pilot that was flying both single and multi-engine aircraft, you would get them checked out first of all, in the twin, and cover off the majority of those uh, competencies. You then look at what you're left with, and you're typically going to have things like force landing, uh, glide approach, engine failure after takeoff, and maybe some uh, elements that are specific to those aircraft. So uh, manual gear extension, maybe, or if it's a glass cockpit, some sort of uh, screen manual reversion process or something like that. All right, you might have a couple of twins, uh, sorry, a couple of singles or twins uh, that have uh, distinctly different setups, like the undercarriage systems might be different. Um, how do you handle that? Well, that can be done through a quiz or a uh, online discussion, a briefing, a uh, questionnaire, stuff like that. So there's a number of ways that you can tickle this off and get it done over a day or two. Um, spread out however you like, um, times the number of pilots you've got in the organization. So you would be able to cover off everything that's needed in the twin and then those bits left over in the single. And if you had two single aircraft, you might choose to fly in one for this particular check and do some questions on the other. And then the next six monthly check, swap them over. So there's some options that you've got and uh, roughly how that's all sort of going to go ahead. Um, like I said, there's some guidance material online now for CASA uh, website. I'll put a couple of links in the episode description so you can check that out. Um, the webinars that have been happening of late, they were recorded. They should be available online sometime soon. I haven't seen them yet, um, but they were also reasonably informative and helpful. But the, the guidance material, the sample syllabus, the sample uh, manuals and stuff were all online. So I recommend getting stuck into those. All right. And finally, um, yeah, you would have seen uh, the other day um, me looking pretty proud standing next to the Lake Buccaneer out at uh, Rankin Point there, which is up here in the Northern Territory, and been flying the uh, Buccaneer with a good friend of mine, Dan Bolton. Dan's uh, part of Dan Bolton Seaplanes, and he is uh, looking after 
the mallards normally, but when he's got a spare moment, he's doing floating hull design feature training in the Lake Buccaneer up here in the Northern Territory. So definitely recommend it, even if you're never going to fly one again. Um, it's just one of those skill sets and experiences, and especially doing it up here in the Territory, I think it's just absolutely brilliant. Um, Dan and I are going to get together and have a good solid chat about it at some point, but just to give you a little bit of a an idea that there are two different uh, types of float aircraft in Australia. You've got float plane and floating hull. So the ones you see on the pontoons, which is normally like the caravans, the 206s and beavers, otters, that sort of thing. Uh, that's one style. And then you've got the floating hull, which is like the mallard and the late buccaneer um, and stuff like that. So there are two different endorsements overseas. They're just classed as um, a float plane, but here we do uh, separate them out a little bit. And there are some uh, differences in handling and uh, techniques used to fly them both. So I have it on good authority. It's it's worthwhile having them separated that way. Probably a bit safer. Um, it's like any kind of design feature. So it's all competency based. Uh, there'll be some normal aircraft uh, handling of you know turns and stalls and just normal circuit work. Um, but of course, the bulk of it is going to be based on dealing with water and water landings. So there's heaps of uh, the river systems and the harbour up here. There's heaps of spaces to uh, put the aircraft down and do touch and goes or splash and dashes as we call them. And you'll have smooth water, some slightly rough water and glassy water. And um, the glassy water is definitely something to experience, having just this mirror below you. Depth perception goes completely out the window and uh, you've just got to really just set up the most minimal rate of descent you can and wait for it to touch the water. And, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, if you have a look on Dan's uh, Instagram page, that mallard guy, um, I'll, again, I'll put the link in the description. There's some uh, videos of that. And uh, there'll also be a video coming out on YouTube very soon where we sort of discuss the uh, training process and what's involved and um, Dan's sort of narrating uh, what I'm doing um, as the student. And I think you'll find it really, really fascinating and interesting. So if it's something you'd like to do, um, get in touch with Dan and uh, see when you can organise a time to get it done. He offers like a, a, a sort of half-day trial flight experience sort of thing, or you can try and do the whole uh, training endorsement uh, all the way through all right so stand by for more on that i'll hopefully be finished in uh, probably another month's time again just we're so busy um, it's spacing out a little bit but there'll be more seaplane adventures so keep an eye on that because it's definitely something i'll be continuing to do it's just fantastic all right everyone that's it for this week thanks again for listening um, as I said, all the links to everything I've talked about will be in the event, uh, sorry, the episode description below. You can email me as well. Uh, any ideas you'd like, any feedback, questions, comments, um, complaints, put them all in there, send them through, and I'd love to uh, hear from you and have a chat. And you can also follow me on Instagram or Facebook, search for Trent Robinson Aviation, and I will be there. Patreon.com forward slash Flight Training Australia as well if you'd like to support the show. And um, there's also a Facebook-style uh, app that you can get for that, and there'll be a bunch of other stuff there that you can listen in on and uh, check out uh, exclusive content on there as well. Until next week, blue skies, and remember the golden rule, aviate, 
navigate, communicate. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>